Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Itching for Relief, Exploring the Role of Novel Biologics in Prurigo Nodularis. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an independent medical education grant from Sanofi and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Sean Quatra. I'm a dermatologist, associate professor, and also director of the Johns Hopkins Itch Center in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm joined by Tori, who will also introduce herself. Thank you, Dr. Quadra, for that introduction. I am Victoria Garcia Albea. I am a dermatology nurse practitioner at the Leahy Clinic, which is outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And I am the director of our dermatology nurse practitioner training program. Pryogenagularis is a chronic disease, and the chief symptom is chronic pruritus or itch, which is defined as lasting for six weeks or longer. In pryogenodularis or PN, you have the presence of firm nodular lesions. They're typically on the extensor surfaces, the extremities, the trunk. There can be significant heterogeneity. So you can have very small nodules, even papules, just a few millimeters, or you can have uh, nodules that are a couple centimeters, even approaching plaques. You also have the history and or signs of repetitive scratching, picking, or rubbing, and so oftentimes these lesions are bleeding because they're so actively itchy and folks are scratching those lesions. So Tori, what's been your experience and some of the clinical manifestations that you've noticed? I would note that one common feature is that these lesions are not going to be found on the central back because the ability to scratch these lesions contributes to the presence of them. Absolutely. And we oftentimes refer to that as the butterfly sign, that area where the hands can't reach. The disease has an unbelievable impact on these patients, similar to many chronic medical conditions like heart failure, stroke. So Tori, have you seen this type of impact on patients with PN? I absolutely have. I think patients have been frustrated by the lack of treatment. And I think that plays a role in the despair that they feel when they have this condition. Absolutely. I have patients who have had this disease, didn't have effective treatment options. And so for many years, uh, stopped seeing providers, even though now we have new options. The most important thing in PN is to interrupt or break this itch scratch cycle and relieve the patient's itch. Once the itch improves, then healing of skin lesions can occur and we can avoid long-term consequences such as scarring or dispigmentation. In the past, the treatment paradigm were thought to be agents that can affect both the neural and immune systems, but there's an opportunity for the use of targeted agents, biologics or other novel immunomodulatory options to treat prygonagularis that can affect both the neural and the immune component. So Tori, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with treatment intensification for these patients in clinic? Now that we're learning so much more about the itch scratch cycle and the neuroimmunology of what's going on in the skin, I think we are able to service our patients better with more intense treatments, just like what we do for our psoriasis and atopic dermatitis patients. We know that there also are some important disparities in care. Black patients with pryogenagularis in particular 
tend to have more fibrotic nodules, oftentimes more severe disease. Our group has found that they have more systemic inflammation. And black patients are disproportionately affected with PN because they actually also, along with Asian patients, have a greater genetic susceptibility to even developing these paragonodularis lesions. In the next session, uh, we'll discuss how new awareness of the pathogenesis of PN has led to novel biologics for the treatment of this condition. In this session, we will review the latest targets we're focusing on through biologic treatment to improve management of pyrigonodularis. The itch-scratch cycle is an important aspect to pyrigonodularis, and we know that when skin barrier is disrupted by scratching, it produces signals that go to the dorsal root ganglion, which then goes to the brain and tells you to scratch more. So the more you scratch, the more itchy you get. Sean, would you take us through some of the key inflammatory processes involved in this disease pathogenesis? So pyrigonodularis is a unique peritic skin disorder. And I would say just like atopic dermatitis and psoriasis have their unique pathogenesis, so does pyrigonodularis. So what's very distinctive in this disease is the nodule, the appearance of this very fibrotic nodule. And actually work from our group has found that when you compare pyrigonodularis to psoriasis or atopic dermatitis, what's unique is fibroproliferative genes. And when we actually looked in my lab at these fibroblasts, we found that the fibroblasts have a lot of dysregulation and are very unique in pyrigonodularis. So that's responsible for the skin thickening. But then you also have an interplay of these nerves, which are in the dermis and thickened with more branching but in the epidermis may have a little bit less branching. So we know that there's been some damage to these nerves, that they secrete neurotransmitters. And we also know that there are cytokines and many immune cells like eosinophils, macrophages, and T cells that are present there, mostly in the dermis that are secreting a variety of cytokine mediators like IL-13 and 4, IL-31, IL-22, and so forth. And so these mediators can then trigger the nerves. The nerve damage can then trigger neuropeptide release that triggers cytokine release. So you have this itch scratch cycle and this neural immune cycle of release of neuropeptides and cytokines that makes folks so darn itchy. That was a great summary, Sean. As awareness of the pathogenic processes in paragonodularis have become more clear, we now have targeted treatment options for our patients with PN. In the next session, let's review some of the efficacy profiles for the biologics for treatment of this condition. Let's review the efficacy associated with targeted biologics for patients with PN. Sean, can you take us through the first studies with dupilumab? Dupilumab is a monoclonal antibody that inhibits IL-4 receptor alpha, thereby inhibiting IL-4 and IL-13 signaling. So the two key pivotal trials for pyrigonodularis in the phase three program were PRIME and PRIME2. And about six months into treatment, what we saw in both trials was 50 and 60% of patients had at least a four-point improvement in inch. Between 40 and 50% of patients also had a reduction in nodules to a IgA success at zero to one, which would be defined as less than six nodules. So that was pretty significant results. And we know that itch relief was significant early, just after a few weeks of therapy, and folks had improvement in sleep as well. 
Nemalizumab targets IL-31 receptor alpha or RL-31 signaling, which is thought to be one of the key cytokines with itch relief. We already have results for the Olympia-2 study. It was a little bit different in that it was only for 16 weeks of therapy. The folks got this injection every four weeks. Four months, around 56% of patients had a four-point or greater improvement in itch. And also around 40% of patients had a IgA success at zero to one. So just in a few months, 40% of folks already had less than six nodules. And in that trial, there was a pretty fast itch relief that was mirrored by improvements in sleep disturbance and then the resolution of nodules. Tori, what's your impression of these data? I think it is very promising what we're looking for. Of course, the safety in the medications that we're using, but quick onset of relief of symptoms, primarily itch. If there's not the stimulus to scratch, these lesions can resolve. Sean, when do you escalate to a biologic versus sticking with a topical regimen? It's a great question, Tori. Biologics as a class are poised to be first line here. My experience has been that topical steroids in particular are less efficacious in brigonagularis compared to other inflammatory diseases, even atopic dermatitis or psoriasis. It's very hard to even penetrate those nodules to get to where the inflammation is in the lower level of the epidermis or the upper dermis. So that's why for PN patients, we oftentimes do the intralesional steroid injections to try to get to that area of activity. So we did a study showing that two-thirds of patients have significant itch in both the nodules, but also in the normal appearing skin. And our labs found that these patients also have inflammation in the blood. And so most PN patients, the great, great majority will need systemic therapy. This is important because we know that there are different comorbidities that are also present in prigonagularis patients. My experience has been similar with very lackluster improvement and a lot of frustration on the patient's part from topical treatment, even intralesional triamcinolone or cryosurgery for localized lesions. It usually isn't as effective as we would hope. In the next session, let's review the safety profiles of these options. Optimizing safety is a key goal of treatment management. Let's now discuss what the safety profiles are of the available and emerging biologics for PN. Dr. Quadra, can you take us through safety data specifically for our PN patients when we're talking about dupilumab? Absolutely. So we have some experience in our community with dupilumab as it was FDA approved in 2017 for the treatment of atopic dermatitis. And the safety data in the PRIME and PRIME2 studies mirrored what we know about the safety profile of uh, this agent in atopic dermatitis, very similarly balanced between the treatment arm and the placebo arm in terms of any emergent adverse effects. Some of the things that are important to note are the slightly increased risk of conjunctivitis and also of herpes viral infections. But otherwise, the safety data was largely mirroring our experience with the dupilumab in atopic dermatitis. Next, to talk about nemalizumab, which is a newer agent. This was uh, very similar in that there were not any significant imbalances in terms of adverse effects between the groups. There were not really any significant markers here other than a slightly increased risk of exematous dermatitis, but 
these patients mostly had mild to moderate disease that was treated with topical steroids and didn't require discontinuation largely from therapy. Tori, what are your impressions of these data? It looks very promising. And I think it's always nice to have multiple options for patients. So not just dupilumab. So I'm looking forward to being able to use this one in clinic. It's been so difficult to treat these patients in the past. Having more targeted agents is going to be a big breakthrough for us to be able to help make patients' lives better. So Tori, how do you go about educating patients about how to properly perform these injections? It can be a big step to go from cream to an injection that they're giving themselves. So I'm lucky in my institution, we have a nurse injector trainer. So if they would like, patient comes in to the office and is assisted by the nurse for their first injection. And then oftentimes we also may need to involve other specialties because we know that the itch can ravage all sorts of aspects of folks' lives. So sometimes even having psychiatry or psychology involved, there's many comorbidities that we'll be discussing next as well. But oftentimes we need other specialists as well. In the next session, Victoria and I will provide guidance on how we optimize treatment selection and management for our patients with PN. Now let's talk about how we integrate biologics into clinical practice, including in our skin of color patients. So just like we're learning for atopic dermatitis, paragonodularis has multiple comorbidities. And I think it's striking that 30% of our patients with PN also have pulmonary disease and 27% have diabetes without complications. And then another 14% have diabetes with complications. So it just makes me think about all the inflammation that we're seeing on the skin is, of course, being amplified inside as well. Sean, do you have any tips for managing your PN patients with regards to the comorbidities? One of the important concepts to recognize is systemic inflammation in the blood. So I always tell folks there's a consequence potentially of having more inflammation, anxiety, depression. It makes your risk of developing other conditions higher. And so that's why we really want to make sure that folks are getting their disease control and also actively managing these comorbidities and screening patients. So I get in everybody a complete blood count with differential, looking for anything in the blood. I get a, a metabolic panel specifically for liver and kidney function. Also, you want to see the blood glucose or a hemoglobin A1C. So those are all important screens that you should be doing in PN patients that you may not need to do in patients who may have atopic dermatitis. In our skin of color patients, what we know is these lesions are more fibrotic, more thickened, and also there's the even greater heightened systemic inflammation. African-American patients and black patients have a greater genetic susceptibility along with Asian patients to develop PN and sometimes can also be more challenging to treat. So it's very important to recognize PN early, do appropriate workup, and initiate very early treatment as well. The inflammation in African-American patients can be even more heightened. So things like the erythrocyte sedimentation rate and the C-reactive protein levels in the heart, those have all found to be higher in African-American patients as compared to Caucasian patients. Any other considerations, Tori, that you have in PN patients, particularly skin and color patients that you may see? Trying to take the burden and the shame off of the patient explain, especially in our patients with skin of color, 
that there's a genetic predisposition to having this condition and having it be more recalcitrant, which puts the burden on the provider rather than the burden on the patient, giving them hope with the treatment options that are coming out. I think we can have just a huge role in the satisfaction that they have day to day. I think it's important to have open conversation with patients. This is not something that's in your head. There's a, a cause that we know of. And now we have many therapeutics that can dramatically improve quality of life, itch, sleep, and kind of talk about all that we know. So it's a great time to be treating these patients because before, oftentimes we had our hands tied with very poor options, especially in the light of these many disease comorbidities. But now we have options. So that brings patients joy and it also helps us as providers help our patients feel better. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.